0: When it comes to all time great teams, the 1985 Villanova Wildcats stand as college basketball's greatest underdog champions, proving that when a team comes together at the right time, they can accomplish the unthinkable. At the center of that historic champion, was Ed Pinkney. Coming up in the 80s basketball wave in New York, Ed anchored Nova at both ends of the floor, leading their famous upset over Georgetown, earning tourney-most outstanding player. After a 12-year NBA career, Ed found his way to coaching, first as an assistant at his alma mater and now on the Minnesota Timberwolves staff. Of course, it's something Penny is very familiar with, but as he sat down with Ed, he wanted to focus on the formula for building a winning culture. Something that requires a number of ingredients and takes time, but as Ed tells us, comes from dedication above everything else. Then winning happens and good things happen. It's a winning tradition here on the Two Cents Podcast. Penny, and a counterpart this time, Ed Pinkney. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast to get every episode of Two Cents as soon as they drop and stay tuned for more.
1: Yo, what's up? Penny Hardaway here. Welcome back to my Two Cents Podcast. We have a special guest, Mr. Ed Pinkney. What's up, man? If you're a historian of the game, you know who Ed Pinkney is. One of my favorite players. I was a Memphis State fan back in the day, and they beat our Tigers in the Final Four. They beat our Tigers back in the day. You know, and Dwight Boyd is on staff here. I
2: saw Dwight Boyd on the way in. He gave me an earful. I know, right? But I got to tell you, I mean, it speaks to Memphis basketball around the city, because everywhere I go around here, they do not forget.
1: Man. They don't. You was a bad boy though. Y'all had it y'all had it locked in. They had that team chemistry. Um now, obviously you're with the Rockets. You get Jalen Green, the kid that we recruited really hard that I saw for like two years straight. Um, you know, had John Wall. Now it's the kind of the Jalen Green show. It's like that, you know how that works. The next person that comes in is this is his show, Jalen Green. Let's talk about Jalen Green and, and being with the Rockets.
2: No, nah, he's well, you know, it's been great to be with the Rockets and stuff. We, Starting all over from James Harden, yep. and uh, Jalen Green's going to be a big part of that. He's a dynamic player, as you know. Really good score. Um, had some uh, great plays just a night ago against the Washington Wizards. So mm-hmm. we're we're expecting him to be the next great star in Houston.
1: Yeah. Now talk about your other experiences from college experiences, as an assistant to the other jobs that you had. How how has that been? Is it? Like your playing career, we go to different cities, but how is it when you're the the assistant going to those those different cities
2: and coaching? Yeah, it's – it's uh, y- you have to try to get a, a really good feel for the head coach. I mean, it's, you know, the most important thing. Yeah. Um, I, and I have been in Chicago and Denver uh, working for two uh, very different guys, uh, Tom Thibodeau, mm-hmm. uh, you know him and oh, stuff, yeah. tactician. Mike Malone in Denver – little bit more of a free-flowing guy. lets yep. his offense kind of dictate what, how they play on the floor. So, two different guys, but uh, both really good uh, guys in terms of letting the players uh, play their game. I mean, they, you know, Thibodeau, emphasis is on, on the defensive end. Right. And with Mike Malone, the emphasis is on the offensive end.
1: Yeah, you got the best of both worlds. I played for Coach Brown in New York, who was a defensive-minded coach when we were at the Knicks. Then I played for Coach Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix, who was offensive-minded. So, I understand... Both of those worlds. Uh, you want to talk about, like, the most valuable lesson that you've learned in your basketball, on your journey in basketball as a player, as a coach that you can just share with some of our people that are going to be looking at this?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, like, the most successful teams I've ever been on, and we talked a little bit about the uh, Over team mm-hmm. and certainly the Celtics where I played the longest. Yep. Um, there was a togetherness about both those teams yeah. that um, they had um, that enabled you to win on the road and win in really difficult places. Because, you know, everything for each team when you practice on a day-to-day basis is set up to win in the most difficult places. You can't accomplish that unless you're rock solid and all together. And, um, you know, I see you trying to, trying to you know, yeah. put, that, put, put that together and emphasize that, and I think that's the most important thing.
1: How important is locker room leadership on those championship teams and those good teams that you played on versus the coach in the locker room versus the coach having to do all of the, the, the talking and getting on players?
2: No, nah, it's, it's the most important thing having uh, one or two or three guys that sort of lead the way because they're actually going to be out on the floor. I mean, the coach can take it up until a certain point, but essentially it's got to be. You know, myself at Villanova, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Mm -hmm. Parrish in Boston, those guys lead the way for the team uh, to accomplish great things. You can accomplish good things up until a certain point, but the guys who are in the locker room, they all have to be together and want to do it together.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And you're talking about together, the 85 championship team. You guys had three teams from the same conference in the Final Four. How are you guys feeling about that first and secondly – to play Georgetown, the mighty Georgetown, over small Villanova, played them during the season. I don't know what the record was during the season. Talk about they both They destroyed of those. us, but you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. just saying the mighty, mighty Georgetown. If you don't know, you know Patrick Ewing and those boys, they were just they were the beasts of the East. You know, so how how were uh, how how was that uh, doing that that eighty five the eighty five tournament?
2: Now it was uh you know at that time uh. You know, something we all carried around with pride, Mm -hmm. having three teams from the same conference. Um, And it was real competitive because all all, everybody was from around the same uh, area, New York, Boston, D.C. Um, So it was really competitive. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, 20, 30 years later, you go different places. And again, you mentioned Memphis State. Um, uh-huh. Which was the other team that was? Yes, in they that. didn't even
1: put them on the magazine. They had you guys on the magazine. I don't think Memphis State got on the magazine. It was like a Sports Illustrated.
2: Well, you know, Memphis State at the time was constantly ranked in the top. I mean, they were, uh, you know, one of the top teams in in the country and stuff. And they yeah. were in that in that uh, tournament as well too. And it wasn't uh, the field of sixty. It was. Only 30 teams got in there. Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult to get in there and stuff. Yep. But, uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, I just saw Patrick uh, a little while ago. He's, he's in the business as well, too, coaching and stuff. And we compare notes, uh, you know, about different players and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. But, no, nah, that for Villanova, because Villanova is now taking another step with Jay yes. Wright. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're year in and year out, a, 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 you know, a really tough team. But um, it's, a, it's a source of pride for all of us.
1: So can we argue that the '85 team was that that win was the greatest win in NCAA history with your team beating Georgetown?
2: Can we argue that? It's it is definitely an argument. It's an argument. I mean, but you know there are other you know Danny Manning's team with Kansas. Oh yeah, Kansas. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of teams, but obviously, um, I mean. You know, our group. We feel that it was it was uh, definitely a fantastic win for
1: us. Yeah, how did Coach Massimino make the, that group buy in? Was it hard for him to make it buy in, or were you guys already locked in and because you knew what you were getting with from Coach Massimino?
2: You know what? It, 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 I would say it goes back to leadership because mm. the group we had a, a senior in class um, that year, but we all learned from the class. Before us, we had some cats uh, that were great leaders, man. Stu Granger, John Panone Mike Moquin—that was the class before us, so and they taught us a lot. That's awesome. um, yeah, they were they were hard playing. Uh, they didn't take crap from from anybody. And then when you went on the road, those dudes were like out to—I mean, just kill man. They loved right. to win on the road, man. Right. And they all that—that that was all set up in practice. We would practice real hard, so.
1: And that's a totally different animal. Most guys can play at home, but most guys can't play on the road. Hostile environments—that's when you know you have a great team. You can go on the road and be good teams.
2: That's what it was all about, man. Those do, like when we first came in, man, they were like, "Listen, this is our house. We got a small place. We play hard. Our fans support us. But when we go on the road, we got to take this thing to a whole nother level. Yep. So we got to practice like we play on the road."
1: Yeah. So what's the what was your ranking? I mean, not your ranking, but your seeding going into the NCAA tournament '85. And what was the mindset of the team? Was it one game at a time, or we have something to prove? We don't care who we play.
2: We our our seeding was eight, so okay, we're the lowest seed. seed to ever win the tournament. And the 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 feeling was one game at a time because we had great experience in the tournament from that previous senior laden class. And uh, we took it one game at a time. Uh, you know, played some. You know, three number one ranked teams. Mm-hmm. But the one team we felt probably the most comfortable with, uh, which is unusual to say, was the number one team in the country at the time was Georgia. We had seen them three times mm-hmm. before. They beat the crap out of us. So we knew you know, if we did this one or two things extra in this one final game, it's only one game. It's not three, yep. four, five game elimination, yep. but it's just one game we could possibly win.
1: Yeah, no, that was that was actually a beautiful thing. I was watched. I actually watched that final four because of Memphis State being in there and watched the championship game, and I was in awe. But I wasn't, I wasn't in awe like it couldn't happen because it can any any on any night. You get hot, you have a great game plan, you stick to the game plan. We saw that with the NC State win, you know. For sure, so NC State. You no, know, NC yeah. State win was was huge as well. Yes. So you saw that they were and and Jim Barbano's was running all over the court. Rest in peace to, uh, Rest in peace to him. But it's always in that tournament. The, the names don't mean anything, and we're seeing that in today's game. Like, if you don't bring it, you don't have the mentality and the mindset to go out there and handle the situation, uh, stick to the game plan, don't deviate, then great things can happen. Talking about this era now, what, what do kids need to know in your mindset to, to make it in this game, in today's game?
2: Well, I, you know, I think they know you got to work hard. I think they know you have to study how to be great. Um, And I think the things that are kind of left out are playing together, the togetherness you need to accomplish something really great. Mm -hmm. Individual goals, I think they got, you know, a lot of the young players have that covered. But in, in to, in, to accomplish something great, and you see a lot of the veteran players uh, in our league, the mm-hmm. Steph Currys, uh, you know, now James Harden, Kevin yep. Durant, all these guys, LeBron James, they understand that.
0: All right, let's take a break to talk about our good friends at Candid. Believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner. When was the last time that you got a gift that you really wanted? You always end up buying the gift that you really want yourself. Well this holiday season, give yourself the gift that you've always wanted, a better smile. And our friends at Candid can help. While poorly reviewed or insanely priced clear aligner companies use general dentists, Candid only works with orthodontists who are experts in tooth movement. With Candid, the same orthodontist who created your plan can track your progress so you never have to wonder how you're doing. You can book an appointment at a Candid studio near you or do everything from the comfort and convenience of your own home. The average Candid treatment is just six months. You'll start seeing results way before then, and it costs thousands less than traditional braces. And with your liner treatment, you'll get a Candid teeth whitening kit for free. So treat yourself to the gift you've always wanted, a straighter, brighter smile. Right now, you can start from home for just 15 bucks with a Candid Starter Kit. Or you can book an appointment at a Candid Studio near you today. Go to candidco.com slash two cents and use the code two cents. That's candidco.com slash two cents to get going. Take advantage of this limited time offer for a $15 starter kit at candidco.com slash two cents with the code two cents. Give yourself that gift really, really wanted this year.
2: So they know they got to have their teammates head in the right place. Mm-hmm. They can't be off thinking about something else right. uh, when it comes to, you know, being on the court and playing on the floor. You got to have that togetherness. And at certain times, you got to be able to sacrifice because there's always going to be a great one on the floor with you. Yep. Got to have the understanding that, you know what, I'm going to let him do his thing right now. Yep. You know, and buy into it too because yep. you know it's, it's, it's maybe not my turn right now,
1: right? And that's what these kids don't understand because every kid we have our, our pro day at the University of Memphis today, and you're looking in your scouting talent. Every one of those kids think that they're going to go to the league and average 20. You know, we already have those guys set. We have the James Hardens, we have the Kyrie Irvings. we have the uh, Kevin Durant's, and all those guys already. We need guys that are going to come in, work their butts off, fit in what we need you to fit in. We drafted you for a reason. We drafted you, you know what I mean, like, to play this role, and then maybe later on you can show us and prove to us that you can do more. Right. You know, I mean, like, just talk about that because you're here today. What do you look for in players? You know, like, if it's not really a superstar that has that name, what do you look for?
2: Well, you know, the ability to – to do exactly what you said and you mm-hmm. and you find that out by watching them play on the floor if they're going to be willing to make an open it's it's really a lot of simple things making an open pass to the open guy you know giving yourself up on the on a defensive end to make a special defensive play those are we we call them winning plays and mm-hmm. those are plays that players that you want make on a consistent basis the the more consistent play that you see of a player doing that on a on a game by game basis, those are the kind of people we want um obviously, there are the elite superstar people they mm-hmm. stand out without a doubt i mean you, you were <laughs> you were one of them you know yeah, I um. It. Those, there are a lot of those play, but each level, each rung you go up, you're going to have to give a little bit of yourself um, if you're not one of those guys to, to maintain your status in the league and play a long time because everybody wants to play a long time in the league.
1: And what I'm hearing is patience. If, you're, if it's not your turn, work your butt off, keep your nose to the ground. Yes. And the, the staff will say when you're ready. If they haven't said when you're ready yet, keep grinding. They see the potential in you. They're working with you, but they'll let you know when you're ready. You'll start getting some minutes. You'll start seeing some things turn around in practice. You'll start seeing, okay, give them them a couple more minutes so the patience is what I hear from that.
2: Well, yeah, it's patience and buying in and trusting 30 years of experience on your staff, 50, 60 years of experience Mm -hmm. on and off the floor. Mm -hmm. That's tough to beat. I mean, I'm watching your staff and I'm like, I mean there's literally close to 100 years of basketball experience. I mean, Rashid Wallace is has a lot of experience yes. on and off the court. Yes. You, you I mean, there isn't any thing he tells you that you should shake your head at. Right. I mean, nothing. Right.
1: For sure. <laughs> And we do get challenged because it's a—you're not in the league right now. We know you play, but you probably—it's a new game nowadays. So sometimes the kid will challenge that, but for the most part, they do respect everything that we tell them, which is—you know—kudos to them. What do you wish that you could take from your era, our era? I mean, you're a little older than me, that you could give to this era of basketball players.
2: Man, just overall toughness, man. I knew you were gonna say that. Just toughness, <laughs> man. <laughs> I knew that was coming because that's—that's that's real. Yeah, it's real and, and and you know, it's the thing that we see the least. The talent is unquestionable. It, it, you know, there is no doubt that there are uh, there's talent across the board uh, around the country. But, you know, overall toughness is something that I look for when I go out and I watch players. And it doesn't always come from the most talented player. It comes from other people you don't really expect. So I always look out for that.
1: Yeah, you know, I talk to a lot of guys. I got a lot of guys under my wing. I talked to Jason Tatum about it uh, recently about how he says the old heads always say our era is better, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, it's different. These guys are great. We give them their credit. Our era was just tougher. This league was built around offense. Yes. This league was built around defense. Yes. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's that's, that's really the difference. And just talking about the league now and how the league is is built, where do you think it's headed? Is it still heading toward the there's no – like, you were a big man. Like, you had you had body work down there on the post. They don't have that anymore. They don't really want that anymore. I, I mean, I'm, they want the bigs on the perimeter now. Yes. And can run and can pick and pop and then make plays like the Joker. He's, it's only one of him. But where do you think? Is the league still headed towards that? Or will there be a, a league for Shaquille O'Neal, Patrick Ewing, Ed Pinkney? Or, you know, like, even though you could pop out to the perimeter. I'm just saying how this new age big is. Is that where the league is headed for the rest of the league?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Guys like Aiton are a little bit more of a classic style center. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's tough to um, kind of corral the talent because, like, I you know, I had an opportunity to coach Carl Towns. Carl Towns is special. He's one of the most ridiculous offensive plays I've ever seen in my life. So I think um, – the game will evolve. There'll be some players um, that will come in that'll be a little bit more classic, but they won't have the effect on the game like guys like the Joker, Carl Towns, and and others will have because they're just so supremely talented.
1: Yeah, I just thought about that. You know, as far as like, you know, is the league will the league ever get back to dropping it in long splits? Having the big fella down there, boom, boom, bang. I mean, they get some of that, yeah. but it's not how we used to really, the paint used to be so, even though it was no illegal defense, I mean, it was illegal defense, it was still shrunk. Now oh, yes. it's so much space. So I was always wondering, would it ever get back to that? Now, what has surprised you about today's league? You know, you've been around for a while. What has surprised you over the last 10 years where you're like, man, I never thought the league would get to this?
2: Well, the shooting, the shooting is incredible to me. To watch on a game-by-game basis for all the teams. I mean, there was always like a one or two good shooting Dale teams. Ellis,
1: Dale Curry, yeah,
2: you know those guys. But every night, like somebody's hitting six, seven, eight, close to ten threes a game, and the teams are are following suit. Um, so that to me is just amazing, and that you know that's another quality you kind of look for guys who are regardless of size, whether you're small or tall, the ability to shoot and make shots.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that I, I told my son. I was like if you can shoot the ball, man, you pretty much can, can help yourself later, especially if you have any kind of talent because there's always a premium. Like you, you want shooters on the floor. Guys that can't shoot. What's your advice for the guys? The big fellas that are mobile, they're athletic, but they can't shoot. Is it to find a shooting coach to try to get some type of range or just do what you do, block shots, dunk everything, be a rim protector. And, and run up and down the Yeah, front.
2: I would say be who you are, but for bigs who are less skilled shooters on the perimeter, work on your passing, man, because that's something you can, you know, read via film, work through DHOs, the ability to make decisions in DHOs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes big guys get the ball up top, they go one direction, and then they just pick up the ball and stop and throw it in the stands. Right. Your ability to make decisions mm-hmm. on the on the bounce with your ball handling can make you really effective.
1: Yeah, that's what we're doing here. You know, obviously we have Jalen um we have Malcolm Dandridge, and Sam Onu. We have those guys popping to the porch and dropping it to them and then splitting out of it. And if a guy goes back door, they got to hit that. They got to do a dribble handoff. Sometimes they hit and they ghost out of it. You know, they slip it. So we're giving them the, 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 the kind of like the, the job of, we're going to put the ball in your hands for you to make a decision, which in the past used to be the PG
2: that exactly. made all those
1: decisions. So now we're expecting for the big, who now when you look at the assist leaders, you have a lot of bigs as assist leaders in the league now. Joker,
2: is Dre- Draymond. Yes. I mean, everybody, you know, wants a Draymond Green. He's, you know, great defender. Mm-hmm. And a guy who can make decisions on the fly, in the open court mm-hmm. and out of the post. And, you know, those are... He ke- and he keeps himself confined to that. He doesn't try to get out of his role. He knows it's championship basketball. So, um, you know, guys who can really make plays like that are very valuable to NBA play- yeah. teams.
1: And then we'll end with this, the load on the rookies nowadays. Like I was telling the guys, before practice, during practice, after practice, repeat, before practice – during practice, after practice, the rookies get the work in. Yes. These guys don't really want to be in the gym that much. They're like, ah, they're not really in the gym that much. Can you talk about how much the rookies, when they come to the league, how much they're actually
2: in the gym? Well, I'll tell you, Jalen Green, uh, you know, we, we've we got five 19-year-old rookies on our team. They spend a lot of time in the gym, you know, on top of the practicing, mm-hmm. and they're all working on their shooting, mm-hmm. all, you know. It's the shooting and the film work that they, they understand. They have to get it because everybody else is that much more ahead of them. So yeah. they spend a lot of time in the gym. They want to be really good.
1: Yeah, no, man. Honestly,
2: it's got to do it.
1: Yeah, you got to do it. And I, I really just want to say thank you. I, I appreciate. I, I can see now because we have really never had a sit down talk. We've always seen each other in passing your IQ of the game, your knowledge of the game and how you played the game. I can see how the 85 eighty five Well, I teams, appreciate it. I can see yeah, man, your, your, your your mental is, is is solid because you understand what's going on and you understand the game. Uh, and I just appreciate what you bring to the team, what you bring to the game and to that Rockets team for those young fellows to be able to hear what you have to say to them. And I know you're giving knowledge, so I definitely appreciate that as a vet.
2: Well, I, I appreciate – I don't appreciate those those 40 you used to give <laughs> us. <laughs> when I was with the mime. his dude was averaging 40 <laughs> – I, mean, I, don't, a, I, don't, I, I thank God for those
1: days. But, no, I
2: definitely. 40 <laughs> in the playoffs? I'll never forget that, man. Hey. That, that was, was, that kid was just, coming from all over the place, man. That was man. just a
1: blessing. I was in my zone at that time. But, no, I definitely appreciate it. We appreciate Mr. Ed Pinkney on uh, the My Two Cents podcast. We thank you guys for looking. Hope you learned something. Peace.